0: You may recall in April of 2019, where for a brief moment, it seemed like everybody in the world stood still as we saw the images and the videos of the Notre Dame Cathedral on fire, burning down and reports that I've read said that it was about 30 minutes away from being completely lost and had the bell tower even collapsed, everything would have been gone. And I heard a story that while all of this was happening, that there was a group of firemen that were asked to take their hoses up to the bell tower and fight back the flames so that it would not be a complete loss. But they refused, stating that it was too dangerous and not worth the risk. But there was another group that said that the Notre Dame Dame Cathedral was sacred. And important. It was too sacred and too important to let burn down. And so they ran up and with their hoses and they knocked back the flames and they saved the cathedral from total collapse. And as I think about that, I'm not trying to be an alarmist. I'm not trying to speak in hyperbole But I think about our current church, how it seems to be on fire, and that many even would say that it's on the verge of collapse. But my hope, for me, for us, is that we'll be the ones that do what we can to help. That we don't stand back and say, just let it burn. But because of the the church and what God's doing in the world is too beautiful, too important to let burn down. Now, I, I want to address this. We cannot change the past. No matter how hard we wish we could, no matter how hard we may try at times, we cannot change the past. But we can change the future. And as we look to the future, one thing I think we can all agree on is that the world needs the church and that the future church is one that we must look to create because the church as it stands now will surely fall. We must stop being so worried about the future of the church, but start creating a future church. Today we're going to look at a passage out of the Gospel of Matthew in the ninth chapter, beginning in verse 14. And what you're going to hear is a story where the religious leaders are frustrated with Jesus. Go figure, this seems to be kind of an ongoing trend in the Gospels, but they're frustrated with Jesus. Why? Because he, him and his disciples are not following the religious standard and the religious protocols that they have put into place. They're not doing it as we've always done it, if you will. And so we hear these words beginning in verse 14 of Matthew chapter 9. It says that the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often? But the disciples, your disciples, they don't fast. And Jesus says to them, The wedding attendants cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? The day will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old cloak, for the patch will pull away from the cloak, and the worst hair will be made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. Otherwise, the skins would burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are ruined. But the new wine is put into fresh wineskins, so that both may be preserved. So, as the religious leaders are are frustrated, Jesus' response to them is, you don't put new wine in old wineskins, do you? And they would understand that that is deemed foolish, much like he said, putting a non-shrunk patch onto a piece of cloth. You see, when you would put new wine into old wineskins, the the old skins lacked flexibility. And so as the the gases and as the, the fermentation was occurring the new wine was becoming of age and becoming what it was supposed to become, the old skins weren't ready and they couldn't handle it. And what what Christ is pointing the religious authority to is this. He's saying, God's doing something new. But because we have become so set in our ways and our expectations of how things have, have been done or should be done, we're at a risk of missing it. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on something new. Something that God wants to pour into our lives and our ministries. I especially don't want to miss out on it because of my lack of flexibility. Keeps me from receiving it. So I want you to think about your own life your own mind, your own understanding, your own church, your own whatever, and ask this question honestly to God. God, is there something new that you're wanting to pour into me, into your church, where I find myself being unflexible, using that utterance of, we've never done it that way, Convincing myself that that won't work before I'm even willing to try. I'm not willing to try at all because it just doesn't seem feasible. God, my prayer is that you will remind us this day that living a life of faithfulness requires flexibility. As we look to scriptures, when God says, follow me, what we see over and over again is that following God takes us beyond our comfort zone, beyond the borders of our own confidence and understanding and abilities. It causes us to be flexible. Look at Abraham and Sarah when they thought they were too old and God says you're going to have a baby or the story of Esther or David or Mary and Joseph or Peter and Paul. The stories go on and on and on of where God says You must be flexible to experience what I'm calling you to. Following God is a call to be faithful to the mission. To the mission. But being flexible in the method. So when we think about the church, when we think about our ministry, when we think about our calling, what is our mission? That is the thing we should be unwavering on. Our mission, as Jesus Christ proclaimed it, is to go forth and spread the good news, baptizing Him in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, sharing His gospel, proclaiming who He is. This is something that we do not waver on, but we must be flexible in our method. And many of us, I fear, have begun to worship the method over the gospel. We have have become too stuck in our method, and we even lose sight of our mission because of it. Now, I'm aware that Scripture proclaimed we are to be in the world, not of the world, but in order to reach the world, we must meet the world where it is. We cannot hide behind our doors any longer and hope that people will come to us because what we see is this. Church attendance is in the decline as well as the church as a whole. And many of us, and we've all been guilty of this, I'm sure, can find ourselves blaming sin, the devil, whoever is the president at the current time, those people out there, it's all their fault. But maybe we just need to take a step back and address our method, the model and the mode with which we are carrying out our mission. Are we using old wineskins as God is trying to fill us with new wine? Maybe we need to double down on the mission and allow flexibility within our methods. We need to be confident and sold out on our why we do what we do. But willing to experiment and be flexible in the what we do and how we do it. And this is scary. Because we always ask, what if we fail? My challenge is that we need to give ourselves permission to fail. As permission to fail as we try something new, to reach someone new, as we share in the new thing that God is doing in and through us. So, just some ideas of how we may need to shift our methods, our modes. We must become servants not stakeholders. For too long we've been trying to protect the gospel and hold on firmly and and, and tell people they have to come to us instead of giving it away and showing the love and grace of Jesus Christ. You see, we can't wait for people to come to us or come back to us. We must take the church to the world. We must be the church, the hands and feet of God in this world, as opposed to saying we've got something and people just need to come to us to get it. And find ways to meet people where they are. We must care less about attendance and more about engagement. And realize that it's not about making sure that we have a number and counting every person, but it is about remembering, and through Jesus, that every person counts. So engaging them, engaging with them, engaging them with the Scripture. And we can't be just Sunday-focused anymore without being everyday-focused. We, we find ourselves saying, if, we could just, if y'all would just come on Sunday mornings, but we lose sight of the real purpose for our gathering on Sunday morning. And I don't want anybody to mishear me and say that I don't think Sunday morning gathering is worth it because I think it's absolutely worth it and needed. But we need to remember that the purpose of gathering together on Sunday morning is equipping us to go out and to be the church for the rest of the week. Allowing God to speak into us. To pour new wine into us. That we may go forth and proclaim the new thing that God is doing in God's creation. God, fill us with new wines. Let us be flexible in our method, clinging to our mission. But let us not become so caught up in worrying about the future of the church, God, that we forget about creating the future church. Let us start to focus more on doing the mission and being the church. So that there will be a church in the future. Amen and amen.